Good morning, everyone. Nancy's introduction was uh, right on target. We're in a four-part series on the basics of science of mind. This is your chance kind of over a one-month period to learn everything you possibly wanted to know about the science of mind in, uh, in uh, what, I don't know, 20-minute segments. Does it get any better than that? Uh, uh, last week, we talked about the true nature of God itself. And, uh, and really the consensus, the, where we ended, I guess, is that God, of course, is everything. Every person, every place, everything, every situation, all of it created uh, of God, all of it is God in its, in its final form. So, that, so the idea, the, the kind of the, the twist, if you will, that science of mind has uh, about God is that, well, if God is everything and God created the universe, then what was there to create the universe out of? just more God. And so when you reach that conclusion, then you realize that truly everything is made out of God's stuff. And that truly there is that spark of the divine, if you will. There is that peace of each one of us in our, in our minds and our hearts and, and even in our deeds that is divinely inspired. Now, it doesn't always seem that way. And we talked about that a little last week. Uh, it doesn't always seem like God is working directly in our lives. But if we include ourselves in that definition of God, then by definition, God is at work in the world even as we are at work in the world. And that's where we're, where we're going to start today. Um, the second chapter of the Science of Mind textbook is called uh, um, The Way It Works and the way it, meaning God, the way that it works in the world of humans, it's through us. In fact, we, we could just say there, you've had your sermon for the day, but I'll probably want to explain a little bit more than that. And I think one great way to explain it is to start out with talking about someone who perhaps did an amazing thing for the world as a part of God. And so these are the top 10 things that I learned from Noah and the ark. And we'll start at the bottom, as every good late-night TV host does on their, on their top ten list. So number ten, take care of your animals as if they're the last ones on earth. Number nine, remember that woodpeckers inside are a larger threat than the storm outside. Now think about that one. That one, there's some real metaphysics there. Number eight, remember that the ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. <laughs> Number seven, when you're stressed, just float for a while. Number six, two heads are always better than one, and diversity is always better than monotony. Think about that one for a minute, too. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with what has to be done. Number four, stay fit. When you're uh, 600 years old, someone might ask you to do something really big. <laughs> Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when the ark had to get started. Number two, don't forget that we're all in the same boat. And the number one thing that I learned from Noah and the ark, don't miss the boat. <laughs> now, it could be that this fellow named Noah had some direct communication with God in that kind of, how do I want to say it, beyond just the still small voice that comes to all of us in meditation. I don't know. The, you, you know, the, the Bible, I'm always weir, uh, wary of taking it too literally. Uh, uh, what, what I do know is that the, if there was a man named Noah uh, and there came about this inspired idea of preserving something really important, that being animals during a flood, and whether it really happened
happened on a cataclysmic style of, uh, you know, the whole earth being engulfed by water, or whether it's something on a smaller scale, or, or even if it was just something more symbolic of something that a man did because of his connection to God, I do recognize that each one of us can be inspired to do more of God's work in the world. And that's specifically what I want to talk to you about today. Because everything in the world of humans, everything when we look around us and we see something that looks miraculous, when we see something that is, is marvelous and good in the world, it was the, the hands and the hearts and the minds of humans most likely that had a part in it. And so in that sense, all of us, and certainly as a group, as a human species, we act together to do things that are fabulous in this world. But I want to do a brief check-in. So think about the world it is right now. You know, ca ca sort of cast your mind out a little bit and think about how we're doing are we doing a good job? Are we being good stewards of the planet? Is, uh, uh, are we on track, if you will, for bringing about a world that works for everyone and a, a place where, where, where truly people can speak their mind in, in freedom and enjoy and, and, and live, the world, uh, live in the world in a way that they want to be? Maybe yes, maybe no, but I, I would like to present something to you. A bit of a good news story here. Uh, you know, I'm uh, always uh, active out on the internet uh, trying to find material for my talks. And uh, in, uh, in England, uh, sort of their version of the New York Times is called The Spectator. And this was the very last editorial article that they had for 2012. And the title of it is, Why 2012 Was the Best Year Ever. So let me read a little bit about this. It starts, it may not feel like it, but 2012 has been the greatest year in the history of mankind. Now that sounds like an extravagant, extravagant claim, but it is borne out by evidence. Never has there been less hunger, less disease, or more prosperity on the planet. Now the West remains in the economic doldrums, but most developing companies are charging ahead and people are being lifted out of poverty at the fastest rate ever recorded. The death toll inflicted by war and natural disasters is also at historic low. We are actually living in a golden age. Now to listen to politicians may be given to the opposite impression of a dangerous, cruel world where things are bad and getting worse. And this, in a way, is the politician's job, to highlight the problems and to try their best to offer solutions. But it is not the truth of the world. And the great advances of mankind typically come about not from statesmen, but from ordinary people. And it goes on to catalog just uh, some of the amazing things that we as humans have done to better ourselves as a species and the planet as a whole. Uh, you know, some of these are, are just outstanding to me. In a, in a very brief period of time, the life expectancy, for instance, in Africa has jumped up five years. Now, do you recognize what that represents? I mean, I mean Africa is one of the most populous uh, continents on the planet here. 
And in a very short period of time, the life expectancy there has grown by five years. Um, the rate of AIDS is in its decline in, the, in eight uh, consistent years. Uh, it goes on to talk about uh, nuclear treaties that have been done and all kinds of things come about in this last year that are staggeringly good for the planet. We're doing a great job. Let's give ourselves a hand. I'm serious. Let's give ourselves a hand. And you might ask, well, well, Larry, it, it, you know, I'm sure that what you're saying is true. I'm sure this has been researched out and all those are indeed facts. But, you know, I don't necessarily feel like uh, I did my part last year. I don't even necessarily feel that I had my best year ever. I mean, some of us maybe, but I would guess some of us not so much. You know, did, did I, I mean, we just gave ourselves an applause, but did I directly do any of that? Do you know what I mean? Of course, I'm one for taking, you know, credit anyway, but, but, but did we really have a, a direct and powerful influence in the world? I'm here to say, actually, yes, you did. Because the way that the world changes is by the world changing its thinking. And in order for there to be improvements in whether it be longevity or whether it be uh, the eradication of disease, whether we made improvements on the planet in communications at some magical detente level or not, it is because we as individuals are improving our own idea of those things in the world. It, it does not happen in a vacuum. The, the day will come when war is intolerable because each one of us, a majority of us, believe that war is intolerable. We will have uh, things like AIDS and poverty licked when we as individuals and therefore then collectively believe that these things are intolerable, that we will, that we will put up with them no more and that the research that's necessary or that you know, whatever needs to be done in terms of supply and demand and resources on the planet, we will take care of all of those issues when the majority of us recognize them and begin changing them in our own heart and our own mind. So yes, all of those good things that I talked about, you are responsible for. It has been the shifts in this last year of all of the people on the planet that accomplished those things. Now, it may have been the actual hands, who knows, of, uh, uh, of someone, uh, you know, testing out a new uh, typhoid drug in Africa that, that got the death rate to plunge uh, down and life expectancies to go up. I mean, we might be able to trace some of these things to individual people that perhaps you might say more directly contributed their part, but those people wouldn't even exist if it was not in our consciousness that these things need attending to. So truly, we can congratulate ourselves on this planet being uplifted, uplifted this last year. Okay, now I want to zero it in a little bit more because what I know is for progress to continue, for the planet to continue to rise, what has to happen right in this room? Yeah, we have to keep moving forward as well. And so maybe today we can do just a, a tiny bit of a check-in.
Because knowingly or unknowingly, last year, to produce such a fabulous year, we had to be moving forward in our own consciousness. We, in our own hearts and in our own minds, needed to be moving a little bit on that spiritual evolution or that spiritual revolution that's going on in our own hearts. We had to be willing to accept more peace in our own lives. We had to be willing to accept more abundance or more love or, or whatever it was that we see the outward demonstration of it on the planet. That came from right here. And what I know is, is not intentional thought more powerful than just whatever thoughts come my way. Do you know what I mean? So if we want to see even more progress, or at least sustain the progress, oh my gosh, this is the time for planning big. This is the time for having that revolution of heart in recognizing that war is intolerable, of recognizing that peace is the way, and that even just by my very own acceptance of more joy and more love and more peace, I do transform the world. These are not idle thoughts. It's actually the way it works. It's how the world changes. It's in each one of our hearts and each one of our minds. So to zero in on that, I want to ask you all, what are your plans for this year? <laughs> Fair enough. Love, love, love. I agree. I totally agree. And, and I would say almost that simply, and that is <laughs> embarrassed now. I apologize. But, but I think almost that directly and that straightforwardly, we can make some claims on these things. And in fact, I made up a little list of them here that I'll, uh, that, that I'll trot out just for our, uh, our amusement. So do we have an intention or a mental plan this year for health? Do we have one for longevity? Do we have one for abundance or usefulness for our continuing education and for harmony and love in our relationships? Because if we have intentions for these things, you know what's going to happen? The universe is going to conspire, if you will, to bring them about. Our intentions do not just go out on deaf ears. I mean, we, we talk about that still small voice that comes to us in meditation, that comes to us in prayer. Well, it also is listening to us. Last week we talked about the infallibility of God to really respond to us, to our intentional nature. And so when we have intentions, whatever they may be, God simply says yes. It's the, you know, it's so often the practitioners here will even end a prayer that way. They'll say, I release this prayer into that power that always says yes. And it does. And this fabulous year of 2012 that I was telling you about is the results of all of those intentions of last year. So let's move it forward. You know, I want to use a, a kind of a crazy example, and it might even be one of those kind of backwards examples. You might have to help me through this one. But about seven years ago, I took one of our Science of Mind classes. In fact, it was, it was right here. It was Well, it wasn't in this building, but it was at this church uh, when we were at the other location. And I remember we did something in it that was very startling. As one of the uh, exercises we did in class, we prepared our own memorials. And so we had to think about, okay, I'm not physically going to be here on the planet, probably, uh, you know, forever. I don't think so. In, in fact, my example of Noah, he made it to 600. I'm not sure I'm going to make it to 600. I, I'm willing to give it a go. Uh, but, it, but what was lovely about the exercise was we were really had to do some thinking. So what music would I want played at my memorial? Who would I want to maybe do the eulogy? And what would I want to be said about me? What would I like to be remembered for? 
if someone could only speak for a, just a very few minutes about Reverend Larry King, what would I want uh, to be said about that? But you know what the weirdest part of it was? Or almost kind of the scariest part. We had to put a date on it. We had to put a date on our memorial. So that kind of implies something. Do you see where I'm going? So some of us some of us were thinking more like Noah. There was one woman in my class, I think that she put like 2,150, you know, like, a, like you know, she was going to live way out there. But somehow it didn't ring true to me. You know, picking, picking a date just, just kind of in human standards, a little impossibly out there, just didn't ring true to me. But what I could get in my own head, what I could wrap my arms around, well, I had a great-grandmother live to be 102. And I said, if my great-grandmother could do it, I could do it. I want to suggest to you that that is my intention for longevity. So I have set an intention. In fact, I, I, I set it uh, seven years ago to live to be 102. And for those of you who know me, you know I'm not going to be satisfied unless I'm just giving the world a bad time, still when I'm at least 100. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a healthy life. It's going to be a vigorous life. And i got to tell you, that intention, it may not get me to be 102. I don't know. But it is having an effect on choices I make in my life. It is having an effect on the plans for my life. When we set powerful intentions, even if they seem, uh, even if they seem arbitrary, right? Do you know what I mean? 102, that's pretty arbitrary. And can I really achieve it? Well, who knows? And I think with any of our intentions, we have to be open to the idea that we're going to take steps along that way, that we're going to create a life moving towards ultimate peace or moving towards ultimate abundance. We may never get there. And I'm certainly not going to use that as a tool for beating myself up. Well, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't made the $5 million so that I can donate it to science. Or, you know, I'm not going to use that as evidence of me not being good enough. In fact, quite the re reverse, I'm going to use every evidence I can to say I've taken another step in my intention of longevity. I've taken another step in my intentions for having loving relationships. I've taken another step in my intention to make sure that my family is safe and that we, we have the things we need to live well off. What are your intentions? And are they that granular? Have you actually thought through how you would be like to be remembered. So let's say it's uh, way off 600 years from now. We'll, we'll all take the Noah route. Do you know what I mean? The medical science will come up with some darn thing that allows us to, to live another 600 years. Still though, at your end of days, how do you want to be remembered? What is it in your own heart or in your own mind that you would like your legacy to be? What are your intentions for just outrageous goodness, whether it be in the area of uh, artistic expression, whether it be in the area of uh, fantastic relationships, whether it be in the area of philanthropy or, or, or helping others? How would you like to be known? How would you like to be recognized and thought of and what would your intentions be right now for starting yourself along that path? 
this is how the world changes. This is how 2013, and I'm really looking forward to it, by the way. I'm really looking forward to this time next year when we've just crossed over into 2014. To, uh, in fact, I, I've made a note. I'm certainly going to go back to that same uh, newspaper in England to see if they have a follow-up report on 2014. And if it is a banner year, what I know is you're the reason for it. That each one of us here, through setting our own intentions, through stretching, if you will, our own beliefs about love and life and what every human being should have in their lives, whether they're across uh, the planet or whether they live next door to us, it is these beliefs, it is these intentions that will make 2013 known for whatever it is we come up with. So once again... What's your plan for peace? What's your plan for beauty? What's your plan for love? Right now, in this year, in this moment, let us begin creating those intentions so this time next year we can look back and even more intentionally give ourselves a round of applause knowing that we participated. Now we did, I swear we did, and if anyone doubts it, please seek out me or, or one of the licensed practitioners and we will really zero in on how changes in our own consciousness change the world. Because that's my main message today. How does God get God's work done in the world? It, it, it's right here, it's right here, it's right here, and it's right here. That's the, the only way it happens. We, we can't just sit in our homes and hope that there's a, a, a miracle happens while, while I continue to be depressed while reading the newspaper. Do you know what I mean? I have, in fact, I counseled, uh, I counseled a young woman a few years ago, and, and one of her desires was to, to improve her relationships. And so we talked about it. And, and finally, towards the end of uh, the discussion, I said, so what, you know, what are your plans for relationships? then and she said oh no I'm not dating or anything and I said well how are you gonna have a relationship if you're kind of staying home alone every night I mean you don't even you know go do you have like a, a club maybe that you go to for fun or do you go out and go dancing or do you participate uh, maybe in a gym where you'll meet people oh no I pretty much just stay home and I said well now wait a minute <laughs> don't you be having me pray for you to have a, a long-term fabulous relationship if you're not going to go out of the house <laughs> it's like are you expecting the UPS man to show up and ask you to marry him <laughs> So here we are, friends. Here we are. It is truly up to us. And the good news is, the outstanding news, is we've already done a pretty good job. Over the last five years, we've done an amazing job of improving life here on the planet, but we've still got a ways to go. You know, I mentioned the statistics on Africa and how they've increased the life expectancy there by five years, but guess what it is? 55. If you are living in Africa today, the average life expectancy is only 55. Just a few years ago, 50. 
So we're making great strides. But everyone on this planet, it, it, it's not just what we do for one another in this room. Our intentions need to have that ripple effect. We really need to hold in consciousness living longer, being healthy, being joyous, being love. We need to hold those in consciousness even when our own lives seem like they're going pretty well. And the reason we hold them in our own lives, even when they seem okay, is it because it moves out into the world. It has a larger effect than just on us as individuals. Then, when we're making our choices, we have the globe in mind. When we're making our stand for, for peace or love or, or joy on an individual level with the people we really care about, it ripples out to the people that they really care about and the people that they really care about. And I got to tell you, in this information-rich age of the internet and global newspapers and things like that, one person's closely held ideals of love and light are not kept to themselves. So are we signing up for this? All right. I'm going to close today with, uh, with a quote that Ernest Holmes uses to close um, this particular idea of how it works or the way that it works. He says, Then, knowing that the thing can work for us only through us, let us begin to accept today more good than we experienced yesterday. Let us know that we shall reap a harvest of fulfilled desires. The time must come when we shall have left behind any apparent evil, and when it shall be rolled up like a scroll and numbered with the things which were once simply thought to be. Let us recognize now and work with this sound knowledge and perfect faith that as high as we shall make our mark, in our mind and in our spirit, so high will, it outward, will its outward manifestation be to the world at large. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is everything. It is that thing itself. It's all life. It's all goodness. It's all joy. It's all perfection. There is nothing outside of God, for God is truly all. And of course, that means me. It means each one of us in this room, there is no escaping the conclusion that if God made everything, God made us. And that we are, in fact, the hearts and the minds and the hands of God at work in the world. And even as we change our own thinking to embrace more life, to embrace more wholeness, to understand a greater uh, abundance for ourselves, that we uplift the world. It simply sets that expectation for good to be higher for the planet. And so, it is with great love that I know there's a willingness on the part of each person in this room to accept more good for themselves, to have an intention and a plan for more life, for more wholeness, for, for more energy, for, for more uh, goodness and love and, and creativity, that each person here has a willingness in their own minds and in their own hearts and in their own hands to make an improvement, to up-level just a bit. And this is how the world changes. And I'm grateful for this. I'm so grateful to be here in the power and the presence of God itself and celebrating 2012 as a banner year from the planet. I simply let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.